Come on, let's just stand on our feet. Let's stretch our hands up and just begin to call on the name of Jesus. There's no one like our God. There's no one like our God. Come on, can we just say, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. Amen. Hallelujah. It's just so great to be in the house of God. Well, we're going to do a little bit of something this morning. We're going to have you participate with us. Can we do that? Can y'all join me? We're going to kind of repeat after me. Song says, say, no one like you. No one like you. No one like you. No one like you. Come on, let's say it again. No one like you. No one like you. No one like you. We're going to worship this morning. Here we go. Everybody say, oh,
like our God. There's none beside him, nobody like him. Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, we worship you in this place. We give you our best praise, oh God. Hallelujah. I thank God this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul, this bag of bones. Hey, I tried with all my might, but I just can't. When the fight, I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond. And this is one of my favorite parts. Cause just when I ran out of the road I met a man I didn't know And he told me that I was not alone He picked me up, turned me around Placed my feet on solid ground I thank the master, I thank the savior Cause he healed my heart, he changed my life deny what I've seen Got no choice but to believe my doubts are burning Like ashes in the wind This is my story So so long to my old friends Burdens and bitterness You can just keep on moving Hey! You're not welcome here anymore Hey! And right now From now till I
where you were. And when you see where you're at, you just gotta say, I, I gotta get up out of here. Why don't you help me sing this right here? Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that crib. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of You sing! Get up, get up, get up, hey! Get up out of that crib. Master, 
I thank the Savior because He He changed, changed forever name, free. Forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. I thank God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, hallelujah. Come on, let's praise Him. Get praise, get praise, get praise, get praise. Let's saturate this place with the glory of God. Father, we love you. We praise you. Come on, somebody. Let it be like an artesian well springing up from within. Oh, God, saturate this place. Saturate this place. Let your glory be upon us. Let your power rest upon us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Make your way back to your seats. What a power in this place. Let's remain on our feet for a second as we bring the men of God to this pulpit. In every generation, God sends forth men and women that make a difference. You know when they enter the pulpit, they weren't called by men. They were called by God. And when they're done with the word, something transforms in your heart. Today, such a man is about to enter into this pulpit. He has probably preached from the pulpits of your churches around this nation. He is not a stranger. You love him because you feel his passion with God. What I love about our great evangelist, Victor Jackson, is that he is not only powerful in the pulpit, but if he's ever ministered to you on the floor, if you've ever called him on the phone, he takes time, puts things aside, and he pours into your life. I thank God for men like Victor Jackson. Will you receive the man of God to the pulpit? Come on, let's give him a Holy Ghost welcome. Well, can you clap your hands to the Lord one more time? Praise God. What a privilege it is to be here at Eastwind for this wonderful conference, seeing what God is doing. Uh, people all across the nation. I was in Louisiana uh, two weeks ago and they said hey I'm going to see you at, at Eastwind conference and I'm like well come on somebody come on over and I'm so thankful for the body of Christ amen amen this wonderful body has been so kind to me and my family you have poured into me uh, you have loved me. The Florida District has impacted my life in such an incredible way. Can't believe that uh, they were 
opening their pulpits to me at 20 and 21 to come and preach. Pastor Myers always believing in our ministry had me come my first year evangelizing and just always believed in us and been traveling now for about a decade and this church has been a part of that and so thankful for this church's investment in my life and Pastor Myers and his wife and family we're so thankful for their example their commitment to this wonderful truth aren't you thankful for the leadership of this wonderful church and this wonderful conference and uh, all these great men of God I got to hear some of the preaching last night what a marvelous word from God uh, that we heard and really from Pastor Myers I'm really gonna preach part two that's really all I'm gonna do just and uh, these men of God that are here brother Carney brother Green brother Robinette brother Elms brother Gore brother Morgan sister Paris come on somebody Alaska native uh, get to see them grow up God's hand being on uh, the Blackshear family we love and appreciate them so much brother uh, Jason and his wife and your wonderful son uh, brother Urshan what an amazing preacher of God's Word I have a thing about memory and remember he came to our HYC he preached the message on who who killed Saul who killed King Saul and I, I don't know why I remember everything I don't know why but I just I just I don't know I just love you guys that's all amen 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 praise God amen and uh, so good to see brother Churchill and wow going to Kenai several years ago good to see the hoods love and appreciate I'm sorry I just see everything good to see brother Marcelli love and appreciate you I just I'm sorry guys I just all right I better just get to the Bible, huh? Uh, why don't we open up our Bible to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. So good to see Milton, Florida in the building. We appreciate you always taking time to make some crawfish every time I come. Come on, you felt the Holy Ghost right there. Amen. 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 Thank you to this wonderful worship team, all the singers and musicians and the media. I am so looking forward to hearing Brother Landon Gore. I know that God has given him a word, and I feel my role in this service is to really prepare our hearts because I believe that there's going to be a demonstration of the Spirit when he gets up, and my responsibility is to just get our hearts ready. And I want to fulfill that assignment today. And I pray it will be a blessing to you. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4. Thank you, Brother Jude, for your help and um, being my armor bearer. And everybody's just growing up. You know, saw Barrett back there. He's like taller than me now. That's not cool. Amen. 
remember a, a year like there were a few years you know his voice was just very you know he was a little boy he was a boy it's happening with Gregory and Luke as well and I was like hey brother Jackson how I'm like, what come on man you can at least get taller and keep your voice down you know but <laughs> so good to see everybody Genesis chapter 2 verse 4 these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created and the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground verse 7 last scripture and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul I, I draw my thought out of verse 7 where it says and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground I want to talk to you on that subject this morning the dirt of ministry well you're gonna throw me out of here this morning the, the dirt of ministry why don't you clap your hands to the Lord I've got some people nervous <laughs> amen Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Somebody shout yes. yes. I got some people nervous with that title, huh? Y'all don't know what's going to happen in here, huh? The dirt of ministry. Everything about God is very strategic. He's a strategic God. Uh, from every jot, from every tittle, from every word, every name, I know the genealogies may not be significant to you. Come on, somebody. But every name has an importance. I know you want to skip through Leviticus in your Bible reading. Come on, somebody. But Le Leviticus is important. Everything's line upon line, precept upon precept. And if you miss Leviticus, you don't understand the power of Jesus going into the temple, casting out the money changers. And when he cast out the money changers, the Bible says that he told the blind and the lame to come in. Can't understand the significance of that if you haven't read Leviticus because the blind and the lame were prohibited from entering into the temple, but God cast out the qualified and brought in the unqualified and healed them. I see you, Brother Wells, trying to hide. I see you. Good to see you, Brother Wells. Cast out the qualified, brought in the unqualified. You can't understand the magnitude of that moment when he used the temple not as a place to make money, but as a place of healing. 
and qualified them in the temple. Come on, you don't have to come to the temple qualified. Come on, somebody. Get in the presence of God and he will make you qualified. I, uh, and so everything's significant. And so even from the first words in the Bible where it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That sounds happenstance. That sounds just, okay, oh, great way to start a book. But you have to understand what God was inspiring Moses to write. For Moses is raised in a polytheistic environment. He's around multiplicity of gods. The concept of one God was foreign to that day. Uh, Judaism, it's the first religion that introduced the concept of one God. Only three religions in the world that believe in one God, and that is Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. Well, we're supposed to believe there's one God. God has to be one because that's the only way God can be trusted. It's the only way that he can be trusted. The word uh, one, it's synonymous with the word integrity. Integrity means the state of being whole, the state of being one, and being undivided. God can only be trusted if he's one. If, if, if he's more than one, then I can't trust that my prayer is going through because he has to get a counseling session with the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and the angels. But I'm so thankful that God can be trusted because he is one and I can go directly to his throne and I can get a word from heaven. What's his name? Has to be one. Introducing the concept of monotheism. That's what this is Moses' assignment in the Pentateuch in the first five books of the Bible. This is his, it's his assignment to introduce a one God that stands in contrast to all the many gods. Not only one God, but this is a foreign concept, a God that you cannot see. And yet says he's more trustworthy than your false gods that you can see. Oh yeah, that's, he shook up the theological world. He shook up the pagan world. He's introducing the concept of one God because everybody around him is worshiping pagan deities. They're worshiping the sun God, the moon God, the tree God, the grass God. They're worshiping, listen, the stars. Listen, they're worshiping the heavens and the earth. So Moses just starts the book saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Meaning, what you are worshiping, my God created that. 
They say you are settling for a lower version of what God is. I'm about to introduce you to a, come on somebody, and I'm not going to give you God's background. I'm going to just show you that he always is, he always was, he always will be. One God. One God. Introduces this that he shows them their little God's beginning. He said, I'm not even going to show you where my God came from. He's eternal. You, you can't, you, don't even try to time him. But let me show you where your little God came from. Basically, my God said, let there be light. He made the stars also. (laughs) And he shows their pagan deities background to show the superiority of the only God that truly exists. Watch this. So when he does this, don't you love the word of God? When he does this, he shows the heavens and earth's beginnings. And then in the text that we read, he he said this, he personifies the heaven and the earth. If you know the book of Genesis, it's a book of generations. They begat so-and-so. They begat so-and-so. They begat so-and-so. All those words that you almost speak in tongues trying to pronounce. Come on, somebody. Methuselah. And come on, somebody. Okay, I'm the only one that struggle. All right, all right. That's why some of y'all don't read the Bible out loud. Y'all scared don't know what you're going to say. Just get silent. Like, and God said... <laughs> he personifies the heaven and earth in verse 4. Look what he says. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth. So remember, it's a book of generations. He gives Adam's generations. He gives Enoch's generations. He gives Cain and uh, Cain's generations. And, but he says, oh, I'm going to give you your little God that is not real. I'm going to show you their generations. Watch this. And he says that the whole time he is introducing the importance of mankind and that mankind lessens himself when it worships what God created. He prioritizes man above the heavens and the earth. So he says, why in the world would you do this to yourself? Bowing down to something you have power over. Why are you bowing down to an ox? Why don't you put that thing on a grill, open up your mouth, get it medium or medium rare. Come on, somebody. (laughs) 
And for all y'all doing it, well done. You know, we, I'm praying for you. Amen. We're going we gonna to talk about this. We're going to have a counseling session. We're going He shows the superiority of man over the heavens and the earth, the superiority of God over the heavens and the earth. And he says this, this is powerful in verse 5. He says, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. God said, I will not allow the earth to grow until I make man. There's no purpose of it blossoming until I make the crown of my creation to till it. Oh Lord. So wherever you are, there's always the potential for growth. God wouldn't have placed you in that city if he didn't intend you, you to develop and grow that city. And the very fact that you, man and woman of God, God placed you there, that means there is the raw potential of a growth, of an anointing. So what, what God is showing here is that when he created the heavens and the earth, he created in its ideal final state. He didn't create a seed at that time. Uh, he didn't make an acorn. Come on, somebody. Uh, he, he didn't make a tadpole. Y'all not hearing me out there. He made a frog. Uh, come on. Uh, he didn't make put a bunch of eggs across the earth. No, he made birds. Uh, and he gave within them the capabilities to produce eggs uh, and to produce tadpoles. Uh, but he made it in a finalized state. That's what he said. Reduce seed after its kind. Am I okay? So the tree, it was a finalized state, but he, he allowed seed to come out of it. That it might grow up later. Amen? So he gets to verse 7. And it says that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Wave a hand if I'm helping somebody. Am I helping anybody out there? I, I know I'm building slow, but that's what, you know, that's why I love morning sessions. I just get to take my time and just dig it out. Come on. You know, sometimes, you know, you don't always get to do that, you know. You come, sometimes I got 35 minutes to just get it done and I got to be like, yeah! And just hope that you got it. Come on. <laughs> but I love when conferences make sessions like this possible because you get every dynamic. The ups and the downs, which is what scripture's all about. Amen. 
And I, that just makes me want to go somewhere so deep, but I better chill and just stay on track. Amen. Okay, here we are. Y'all just pulling it out of me. Amen. You just, can I hold some for myself, please? Amen. I got, I got to eat too later. Hallelujah. Amen. I, uh, he makes man out of the dust of the ground. Now, everybody should desire the breath of God to be breathed on your life and on your ministry. And we heard it eloquently preached that, that we need God's breath. We need that demonstration. We need the power of God to fall on us. But hear me, man cannot become a living soul with just the breath of God. There must be some dirt somewhere. And it's when man's dirt mixes with God's breath that man becomes a living soul. It's when man's problem mixes with God's power that man becomes a living soul. It's when man's inadequacies, when man's failures, when man's trials mixes with the presence of God that man will become. You don't have to be perfect to be transformed. You don't have to have it all together to get a miracle. Just let the breath of God breathe on your problem and you will become something. Amen. God was pacing to and fro throughout the earth looking for the potential to make man he passes up the lilacs he passes up the lilies he passes up the dandelions he passes up the roses he stumbles upon a piece of dirt and he says that's exactly what i'm looking for oh god and where you see problems i see potential i see ability i see anointing i see power there See, many of you have tried to disqualify yourself because you're dirt and you think that God is going to pass you by. But God just kind of stops when he sees your dirt. Ooh, I see a man of God in that right there. I see a woman of God in that right there. I can see something beautiful coming out of that right there. Where you see disqualification, God sees an opportunity to get glory. I said, your problem is an opportunity for God to get glory. Oh, Lord. 
where you thought that you were dead and gone, that it wasn't possible. God says, I know that I'm going to get the glory because they know that they can't do it with all their inadequacies. But if they allow me to breathe in their situation, I will begin to open up a door that no man can shut. I will begin to heal what they think cannot be healed. I will begin to mend what they think that cannot be mended. I will begin to open up the doors that have always been closed because when I see dirt, I see potential. Oh, clap your hands if you're thankful for that. Now, 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 now we stumble upon a key. Uh, because man, from dust thou art, from dust thou shalt return. Man made out of dirt. So when you decided to accept the call to ministry, which means to help, you just decided that you wanted to spend the rest of your life serving dirt. Oh Lord, it's about to get thick in here. You, when you, oh, you thought answering your call, everybody was going to pat you on the back. You was going to walk through these roses and tulips saying, oh, ministry is so great. No, it's going to be a little dirty. But if you, come on, but you can't change the dirt, but you can position the dirt. If you can help the dirt get in the presence of God. When you accepted the call to ministry, you just decided, you know what I want to do? I want to serve dirt for the rest of my life. Ministry is a help. You just decided that I'm going to help dirt. I'm going to help dysfunctional people. Y'all, I'm going to help people with anger issues. I'm going to help people with attitudes. I'm going to help people that don't like me. Come on, somebody, because it's not the glory's not in the dirt. The glory's in the breath. And if I could just assist the dirt to get in the right position, there can be a masterpiece that comes out of this. Amen. I, I don't, you know what I just heard in the spirit? I just heard a lot of bubbles just pop. Just, just like your little, your thought process just got shattered. Uh, it, it was Phyllis Brooks who did these Yale lectures in the late 1800s. He made a statement and he said this, and this is what I'm trying to help you with. He said, young ministries, he said that they, accept the call of God over their life. Look what they said. But they 
underestimate the resistance that comes to accomplish that call and he said when they meet resistance they get disillusioned as if God didn't speak to them I am trying to save a ministry here this morning I am trying to save somebody that's about to get bitter because there's a lot of dirt in your world but I come to speak to you that we got the awesome opportunity to get in the presence of God and when his presence comes down I got to help you. Here's where I got to help you. The only way you get bitter and have unforgiveness and hold grudges in ministry, I'm about to help you. The only way you do that, listen, is when you serve dirt so long, expecting it to become a pearl. That's the only time you'll get bitter. I've been serving for years and you're still not a pearl always going to be dirt and the power of the dirt is, is in how close his proximity is to his presence and as long as I'm under his presence I will become something great but listen if Victor Jackson decides tomorrow to kind of drift from his presence you know what you're going to say oh Victor Jackson got a lot of dirt in his life And, oh Lord. and it's amazing how we're so gracious with our own dirt. <laughs> you expecting everybody to become a pearl but you. You will be more merciful and gracious with people if you look at yourself in the mirror and you see how gracious and merciful God has been to you. You will be able to extend that to your brother. You will be able to extend that to your sister. You will be able to extend that to the body. Amen. Any of us drift from his presence, there's just going to be a lot of dirt out there. Come on, somebody. And our responsibility is, I want you to understand this. You can't change anybody. Mm. All I can do is encourage the dirt. Say, can you just uh, get in the presence of God for a little bit? It'll, it'll help your attitude. It'll... You, you know, when there's a lot of dirt happening in your church, you know, you, you know what? We need a revival service. Come on, somebody. Listen, the only time you'll get bitter if you, if, as if you expect dirt after a period of serving dirt to become a pearl. To become a pearl would be against the integrity of God. Why? A pearl, beautiful, but stagnant. Can't grow. 
were stuck, limited, same measurement after 20 years. Everything about God is growing. But when the dirt gets in the presence of God, it has the opportunity to expand. You can't count the dirt. There's too much dust in the world. You can't count it. It has the ability to grow. It can take on different shapes. It can be something in one season and something different in another season. Because why? It is controlled by the breath. And wherever the wind blows, that's it. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And that was an amen. I hope this is helping somebody. You see, because if we can get what this conference is talking about, what Pastor and Brother Jones talked about last night, about reconnecting. Because you know what happens when we see dirt on somebody? Church folk don't fight. We just ignore one another. We just act like we don't see you. If I know you park on that side of the church, guess where I'm parking? On the other side of the church. We don't fight. We don't fist fight. We just ignore each other. If we know you sit on that side of the pew, guess where I'm sitting? I'm sitting on the other side. Oh, here he comes, here he comes. As soon as they pass, oh, all right, that's, that's over. I, uh, you know, when you've been in church a while, we, become, we, we find some spiritual tactics to cover our disunity. Oh, we're good. Oh, we're masters. You guys are geniuses. <laughs> we'll come down the aisle, got tears coming down our face, heard a word from God. You, got, you, you cry. Oh, God, I need you. I need you. But the person you don't like is right there. So you go, God, I need you. God, I, oh, God, I need you. still speaking in tongues come on somebody they say lay your hands on the person next to you you see is that person you doing like oh god i need you right now lord if you can just help me and help them get away from me that's that's the quickest way to get you in the intercession And somehow we don't think we're being affected by what we're doing. Because I'm going to tell you something. You don't, you're not going to like this. You're not going to like this. But I'm about to help you. You don't realize it, but you need them. Ooh. 
Did I just say the N-word? You need them. Can't even say it. God said, hold on, let me get him in the breath for a little bit. I need you. Outside of the breath? Man, I could do bad by myself. Amen. And we don't think we need them, you see, because what we don't understand is that there are some miracles, I don't care, I'm about to tell you something in the Holy Ghost, that in your church, your daughter struggling with depression, your son struggling with addiction, listen, the only person in the church that can lay hands on them and they be healed is the person you don't like. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every joint supplies. And you think you can make it in the body without certain members of the body. your family could be healed but you rather them be sick than reconcile somebody needs to clap their hands to the Lord right now oh, yeah let's talk about it huh, clap your hands to the Lord right now I feel a unity trying to enter into this building Somebody lift up their voice right now. I feel the Holy Ghost trying to make unity possible. You know what God's been trying to do during COVID? You know what he's been trying to do? You didn't even realize. You didn't even realize what he was trying to do. David, his brothers hated him. There was a disunity in the family. Oh, Lord. How would you feel if the prophet came to your house with oil in his hand and said, no, not you. Definitely not you. For sure, not you. I said, where's that little nappy head kid at? Who, who, David? Yeah, yeah, that little, the little nappy head guy. Yeah, go get, 
okay, I mean, you ain't going to like him. We don't like him. Go ahead. Hey, little David, leave that little sheep. He want to talk to you. I don't know. I guess you're going to be my armor bearer or something. I don't know. It says, thus saith the Lord, this day have I anointed you king over Israel. Be careful how you treat people that you think are needed, that you think are weak. Because there might just be a breath of God that comes over and says, you're exactly who I've been looking for. Listen, there's, there's disunity in the family. He gets anointed. He gets anointed by God. And then all of a sudden, he wants to go and serve his brothers. And Eliab says, hey, I know what you're doing here. You just came to see the battle with the naughtiness of your heart. There was friction in the family. But there came a moment in 1 Samuel 22.1. I didn't give him this scripture. I'm just following the Holy Ghost. And 1 Samuel 22, 1. Oh God, this is what God's been doing in COVID. Where David is on the run. Oh God. Where David is on the run from Saul. Saul is trying to kill him. The enemy is after him. The enemy's hot on his trail. And then when his brothers heard it, it says, and when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him in the middle of David's brokenness. It became a place of reconciliation in the middle of David's pain. You know what his brother said? I may not like him, but I'm not going to let the enemy get him. I'm not going to let the enemy get him. I'm not going to let the enemy get him. That's what God has been trying to do in COVID. Put the church in a cave of brokenness with the enemy hot on our trail while we finally come together. While we finally put the grudges aside, put the pain, put the past aside and say, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. They put who was promoted over another. They put it aside. They're trying to kill my brother. Come on, somebody. And it became a place of reconciliation. Not only that, listen. Oh, I hear God talking to somebody here. Not, not only that, but the Bible says that David brought his mother and his father to stay with the king of Moab. The Moabites and the Israelites did not get along. When there was pain, when there was brokenness, when the enemy was hot on this trail, listen, there was generational reconciliation. Because the conflict of the Moabites started during the time of Moses. 
and that friction was there. But when David's family was in trouble, the king of Moab said, let them in. They can stay with me. This is a place of safety. There was generational reconciliation. And I hear the Holy Ghost talking. There has to be generational reconciliation in the church. Because, because what we do, if someone hurt us 10 years ago, if someone hurt us 20 years ago, we don't allow our kids to fellowship with that family. And the enemy wins again because that's the family that's going to help your daughter and son get delivered. That your, your family, your daughter and son are complaining about being lonely. And the person that is attracted to them, that wants to become friends with them, is a generational grudge. So you rather them stay lonely than find fellowship. My God, I feel a generational spirit beginning to, to fall down in this place. I feel a generational spirit beginning to be broken in this place I feel that there's healing beginning to rush into this house I feel there's love beginning to rush into this house generational reconciliation Ooh. where that pastor's family uh-uh at conference you go all the way around them what happened well they hurt me 10 years ago well, they hurt me 20 years ago. Come on. But there's something in your family from them that you need. Everybody stand with me. I, did, I didn't get anywhere near where I wanted to go in this message. Um, but I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost has begun to direct some things. Uh Lift up your hands for a moment. Let the weight of love fall on you. I feel the love of God in this house. Come on, come on. Somebody lift up your voice. I feel the Holy Ghost talking right now. I'll say this before we get into prayer and before they sing we can't allow western culture to divide the body western culture we have some amazing things that comes from individualism 
innovation and things of that nature but the body it doesn't thrive off of individualism it thrives off a of community Western culture tells us that if there's a part in your body that you don't that they don't understand and they don't understand its function the first thing they say is take it out you don't need it they don't understand the full functions of the tonsils so they say take it out you don't need it they don't understand the full function of the appendix so they say take it out you don't need it we do the same thing in the church if I can't understand your function if I can't understand your gifting we don't need you and we divide it and we isolate it but he said that I've put every member in the body as it hath pleased me everyone everyone in this house this morning has value the media team is just as important as what I'm doing the ushers and volunteers they're just as important as what I'm doing these singers and these wonderful musicians they're just as important as what I'm doing I can't do what I do effectively without them I can't do what I do effectively without them but we have to start getting an appreciation for every part of the body I want you to lay your hands on somebody near you right now they're about to sing and I want you to just pray over them and tell them you know what I need you you know what I need you you know what you're vital you're important in the body come on that's it open up your mouth somebody needs to feel wanted and needed in the body
Somebody praise the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. His name is great and greatly to be praised. Somebody just worship the name, the name that's already above all names. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is wonderful. He is Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. I am a believer of the name of Jesus. I am a worshiper of the name of Jesus. Somebody just shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you just received a word from God this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Where one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. <laughs> because where two or three come together in the name of Jesus, he said, There I am in the midst of them. We're having a coming together in this conference this week. Amen. It's my honor to bring to this pulpit one of my best friends and brothers in the gospel. Everywhere he goes, there is a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Everywhere he goes, there's divine healing that takes place. There is spiritual deliverance that happens. 
people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost he brings a revelatory word of God every time he delivers his word and we are about to enjoy hearing the preaching of the word from brother Landon Gore is he here in the room you ready to preach buddy can we just lift our hands one more time I want you to lift your hands everybody just lift your hands this I want you to say from your faith I want you to say God I want to see a demonstration I want to see a demonstration of your spirit demonstrate your word demonstrate your power demonstrate your power through the unity of the faith would you lift up your voice as brother Gore comes to deliver the word today in Jesus name you clap your hands unto the Lord why don't you just add a little shout of triumph to it oh no we got to do that again would you really clap your hands unto the Lord and would you give God a shout of triumph in this house come on somebody let hell hear you right now somebody let all of heaven hear you right now There is such a solidity in the spirit right now. How many of you feel like that you have received of the Lord this morning? I feel so encouraged by the rich word of the Lord. And I am so thankful for what has been taking place in this atmosphere uh, last night and this morning. And I've been so enriched by the word of the Lord from Pastor Myers and brother Jones and of course Victor Jackson and I'm just thankful to be a, uh, a small pixel in the big picture of this week there's many people here that I know several different uh, ones that I've just met and I am thankful for the household of faith and I am thankful for this local household of faith I wonder if you could give a hand clap of appreciation to the East Wind Church spearheaded by pastor sister Myers and their great team Bishop and sister Myers can we give it up for every single person every saint of God every sponsor that has made this week possible and I salute every single one that has come every saint of God that has traveled every minister every pastor and I am just so grateful I am so grateful for what the Lord is doing and I, I feel like that we are not just receiving sermons this week you enjoy sermons I don't want to enjoy sermons I want marching orders I do not want to be impressed I want to be equipped for battle because you and I are in a battle we're in a war we're in a skirmish everywhere we go and I feel like that we have and are receiving our marching orders and I believe the Lord is going to do something very special in our midst today and I want to do my best uh, to just follow the Holy Ghost 
I wonder one more time, because I, I believe in the sensitivity and the prayers of this great body of believers. Um, I'm looking for somebody. I'm just going to step out on a limb. Is Muhammad here? I don't see him, but I just want to make sure he is not here. He is not here. Thank you for allowing me that. Can you just lift up your hands for just a moment right now? And can you lift up your voice one more time? And if you have the Holy Ghost, could you just yield to that for just a moment? Come on, can you just yield to the rich, prevalent, permeating power of the Spirit that is in this room right now? Come on, I want to pause for just a moment and give liberty to the Spirit that's in this house. Yes! 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 Come on, for just a few more seconds. There'll be a release in just a moment, but could you just push a little further right now? Could you just lift your voice just a little louder? Could you just lift your hands just a little higher for just a minute? I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them second wind soldiers. I believe today somebody's going to get their second wind back. I'm not come with a masterpiece. I've just come with a simple word from the Lord that I feel has been impressed in my spirit. And I believe there is going to be a restoration and a demonstration in the next few moments of this service. If you believe that, would you just turn to your neighbor and tell them you're a second wind soldier? Now, last year, I had the privilege of preaching one of the day sessions, and I felt like the Lord had done a work, and we went out to eat, and we had lunch, and I sat by Sophia Myers, and Sophia Myers is greatly used in discernment. Different people had complimented me and told me that they had felt encouraged by the word of the Lord. Sophia did not share the same sentiment. She said, that was a good message, Landon, um, but to be honest, your title really didn't make sense, and you didn't really tie it in at the end. So by the best of my ability, my title will make sense by the end. You may be seated. Benedict Arnold. It's a name that's synonymous with treachery, deceit, and disloyalty. But before there was a shift in meaning, Benedict Arnold was the man that inspired everyone around him to battle, to go into any war, any skirmish, in brazen bravery, not fearing what the enemy could do. He was admired, his fellow soldiers and countrymen wanted to emulate his style of battle and war. He was a man that was respected. He was a man that was feared. Until there came a moment when he decided to betray the American cause, 
handing over the plans of West Point and making his brethren vulnerable to the enemy. It would be this moment that he would decide to cross over into enemy territory and to join his foe. And he would live out the rest of his days on the British or opposing side. I, I want to bring a subtle nuance of this story to your attention today. I, 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 I find it interesting that, that while on the American side he was a major general, but while living with the enemy after his treachery, he died a brigadier general. He died one rank below what he was on the side of the American cause. And I rise on this Thursday morning to address every millennial, every man and woman of God and tell you it is impossible to step away from truth. You can only step down from truth. There is nothing more premier, there is nothing more pristine, there is nothing more elite than being an apostolic soldier in God's end time hour. I've come to rebuke every spirit of insecurity. I've come to rebuke every spirit of fear. I've come to rebuke every spirit of low self-esteem and remind you your creator in chief enlisted you for this moment, for this hour. There is nothing greater than teaching a Bible study to a soul. There is nothing greater than laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. There is nothing greater than seeing a Muslim speak in tongues. There is nothing greater than praying through an Uber driver in the parking lot of Starbucks. There is nothing greater than beholding someone in wide-eyed wonder as they see the oneness of God for the very first inaugural time. There is nothing greater than starting a church. There is nothing greater than an all-night prayer meeting. There is nothing greater than assembling with your brothers and your sisters for a demonstration of the Spirit. So I repeat and reiterate, you cannot step away from this. You can only step down from this and in case you forgot you are a part of an apostolic army our boldness is brazen our purpose is robust our enemies already utterly defeated and I refuse to ooze into the future in a lackluster manner, capitulating and wondering if I could die in any moment. There is an army that is rising forth, that is marching in faith and dominion and power, and there is nothing hell can do to stop it. Young people are still... Young people are starting CMIs. 12-year-olds are upper 
operating in the gift of healing. 22 year olds are seeing people one on their campus by the dozens and you and I are a part of it. Prayer walks are happening. The gifts are stirring. Lockdown tried to stop us, it cannot stop us. COVID tried to stop us, it cannot stop us. Hollywood will not stop us. Washington will not stop us. Church hurt will not stop us. Pettiness will not stop us. The spirit of Antichrist cannot stop us. Because here is the divine dichotomy of this war and battle that you and I are entrenched in. While David is on the front lines, he never, he never is speared to death. He, he's never hit with the stone. He, he, he never dies and bleeds out on the front lines. But while he is sitting, relaxing and retreating on a rooftop, he is enticed by a spirit of seduction and he falls prey to the enemy, revealing to us the divine dichotomy of this battle. You and I are safer on the front lines. You and I are safer in the battle. Though we, be, though we be surrounded by smoke and ambush and enemies and depression and suicide and atheism and secularism, somehow we're safer on the front lines, reaching for another soul, interceding against another spirit. You and... I didn't come to blow your mind. I didn't come to give you a fresh new revelation, just a new reminder of an old one. You're safer in the fight. You're safer in the battle. You see, there's a word that our generation is using. It's called self-care. And it's synonymous with isolation and selfishness. Because every time you get down to pray a kingdom prayer, you have to say, Our Father. And you can't pray kingdom prayers when you're isolated by yourself and you're going inward and you're going down a selfish, decadent road of just me, myself, and I. Oh, can I preach for just a moment? There is a generation that God is beckoning into the future. There is a generation that God is asking to RSVP for miracles, signs, and wonders. But I just gotta let you in on a little clue about this army. I, I just need to let you know something about this battle. Uh, the Bible says, having done all to stand. There's going to be a cost to stand in this army. And the cost for you is going to be different than me. And the cost for me is going to be different for you. But there is a singularity. There is, there is something common. It's going to take my all. And it's going to take your all. And it's going to take you giving every fiber of your being and surrendering your flesh to the will of the Father and the Spirit. Stay with me for just a moment. It would be Benedict Arnold, you can be seated for just a moment, it would be Benedict Arnold who, who would capture an American soldier. Ethan, he, he would ask this American soldier, he said, I got an inquiry for you. If the Americans ever capture me, what will they do? 
And that soldier responded to him, Mark. This is what he said. He said, they will cut off your leg and they will bury it with honor. And then they will do away with the rest of you. It's the reason that if you, if you, if, if you go to New York and, and, and you, 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 you can see this odd memorial commemorating Benedict Arnold, but it's different from every other sculpture. I, I really enjoy sculpture. It's probably my favorite art form. And, and many of you have seen a, a mighty general riding on a horse etched in stone. Many of you have seen a, a brave, stalwart commander standing with his, with his sword out. You, you, you've seen these different statues and, 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 and sculpture commemorating mighty men of battle. But when you look at the memorial for Benedict Arnold, it's just a boot. Doesn't even bear his name. And the statue commemorates the one leg that that soldier told him would be cut off and buried with honor because it was that leg that was shot in battle while he was riding for the American cause. And it is said that that was the only part of his body that he gave to freedom. But you and I do not have the luxury just to give our teenage years to God. You and I do not have the luxury to go charismatic when we turn 30. You and I do not have the luxury to fall prey to every topsy-turvy spirit of demons and devils. There is a generation that is rising to their feet and they are enlisting in a supernatural end time war and they are looking at heaven from WIMS conference on Thursday saying, God, I'll give you my weaknesses. I'll give you my strengths. I'll give you my insecurities. I'll give you my skill sets. I'll give you my intellect. I will give you everything about me oh I can't be used by God I can't operate in prophecy I can't operate in the healing that's not my personality God does not confirm a personality he confirms his word we're going to go somewhere in just a minute but I, I, I just I got to make a plea to my generation you can be seated for just a moment I, I got to make a plea to my generation to, to take a stand I, I want you to go to Genesis I want to remind you of, of a principle that we, we find in scripture the Bible says that Noah would send out a dove to survey the flood to survey the land he, he would see he would, he would see if, if there be any room to come out of the ark he would, he would see if if, if there was if there was any way to depart and he would see if there was a, a a new creation if there was new formation he would he would see if if there was anything that they could step out into anew and afresh but there's something interesting in Genesis 8 and 8 the Bible declares that when the dove went to look for land and to see if perhaps the flood had come down and, and to see if there was any fertile ground. Go to the next verse. The Bible says that the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. It doesn't matter how many followers they have on Facebook. It doesn't matter how cute their titles and sermons are on YouTube. If they claim to be spirit-led and yet they are losing standards, they are not spirit-led. 
if they claim to be following the spirit but there's no convictions and they're not taking any more stands they're not spirit led because wherever the spirit leads you you can stand for righteousness you can stand for holiness you can stand for miracles you can stand for souls being added to the kingdom if the spirit is leading you to a campus you can take a stand on that campus I might turn to your neighbor and tell them I'm going to take a stand. The Bible would tell us of a man named Shammah. Someone shout Shammah. The Bible would tell us his story. He, 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 he would be in, in the middle of a bean field, a, a field of lentils, a, a, a field of seed. And the Bible would let us know that the Philistines would come after him and, and he would look to the left and he would look to the right and all of his brothers had departed and left him. And yet Shammah made an intrinsic, eternal, inter, internal but eternal decision. I will stand my ground and I will fight. Shammah, why are you fighting? Why are you willing to die for a bowl of beans? Because lentils are a form of seed. Shammah was not just willing to die for a bowl of beans. He was dying for a future harvest. You see, if I lose my ground, I'll lose this bowl of beans. But I won't just lose this bowl of beans. I'm going to lose every bit of seed form that I am standing on. And so I thank God for every man of God, every evangelist, every apostle, every prophet that stands on a ground called the supernatural and says we will not sputter into eternity. We will not barely make it into eternity. But we will stand still believing in angels still believing in the prophetic still believing that anybody anywhere anytime can receive the gift of the spirit somebody clap your hands for just a moment I want to remind you I want to remind you that, that when the prophet, when the prophet came to look for Samuel and uh, uh, when the prophet Samuel came to look for Jesse, I, I want to remind you that when he got to his brothers and he got to that father, he, he asked, is there anybody else? And they said, oh, there's somebody else. And he said, well, I'm going to stand here and I'm not going to sit down until you go and get him. There have been elders that have stood in pockets of time waiting for oil to be released, waiting for anointing to be released because there will never be a void of apostolic five-fold ministry. There will always be a pastor and there will always be an elder until somebody in the next generation says, anoint me. So I believe the Lord has come to do a specific work today. I believe the Lord has come to restore some things. I believe the Lord wants to come to a barren ministry. A frustrated man of God. A depressed teenager. And I believe the Lord wants to breathe afresh. Would you go with me to John 18, 18 as I hurry to a close. John 18, and 18. I want you to notice something very distinct and specific out of the word of the Lord. 
John 18 and 18 gives us a scenario. I want to read it for you. John, let's, let's begin at verse 15. John 18 and 15 says, Simon Peter followed Jesus and the other disciples. And that disciple was known unto the high priest. And he went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the precipice. He stood at the door. Notice what happens. He stood outside the door. Then went out the other disciples, which were known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door. I think this is Peter. Then said, damsel, then said the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Are not thou also one of this man's disciples? And he said, I am not. And the servants and the officers stood there, and they had made a fire, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves with Peter. They warmed themselves. Peter is standing in the chilly winds of compromise. And the outside temperature is just a reflection of the inside temperature. He is cold, disillusioned, calloused, and carnal. But if you go to the book of Acts chapter 2, you'll find a second wind. Because a man of God begins to step forth. He's not callous anymore. He's not backslidden anymore. He's not disillusioned anymore. But there is a wind of the spirit that begins to permeate that atmosphere. And when Peter looks around, he's not by himself. But there's one, two, three, four, five. And it's Peter standing with the eleven because you serve a God of the second wind. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord for just a moment right now. I want you to lift up your voice to the Lord for just a moment. Come on, I feel the prophetic pulling somebody into Pentecost. Come on, I feel the prophetic wanting to birth apostolic ministry afresh in a young man. A young, you prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed. You taught a Bible study and they rejected you. Somebody lift your voice for just another moment right now. Somebody lift your voice for just another moment right now. Musicians, come, stay standing. I want to go to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, verse 9. I believe the Lord is getting ready to do a very quick work. And a very specific work. Ezekiel 37 and 9. Then said unto he, then said he unto me, prophesy to the wind. Prophesy, son of man, say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these. Breath of God, the prophetic comes to somebody who has been decimated destroyed slain 
alluding to the passage that they have died in battle, killed by malicious intent. They had a ministry before. Oh, God. They had been enlisted before. They were on the front row before. They were the top soul winner before. They had seen angels. Be- oh, God. And the prophetic says, breathe upon these slain that they may live. Next verse. So I prophesied as I was commanded and breath came upon them and they lived and stood up on their feet an exceeding army. My assignment is simple, perhaps juvenile, elemental. It's not for everybody. There's a soldier in Christ under the sound of my voice you're about to get your second wind and the only thing more dangerous than a soldier who is breathing is a soldier who has lost their breath but got it back you came into the valley dead but you're about to leave deadly. You came in dry, weary, barren, cynical. But there's something bowing up in you. There's something pulsating in you. And you're about to breathe again. I I, want to make a call. I want to make a call right now. This call's not for everybody. I wanted to preach another message today. I thought it was pretty good. I was insecure about this message. I didn't know if Sophie was going to like it. I don't know if I made sense or not. But I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And uh, so what I want to do, I, I want to ask for some ministry that's in this section to come up and join me. And we're getting ready to pray. We're getting ready to pray a very specific prayer. And I don't want to exclude anybody. I I don't want to tell anybody that you can't come. But I'm making, come on, Brother Myers, come on, Brother Bounds, if you can, Brother Carney. I want to make an appeal right now. If it's all good in the hood and you got your halo on, come back tonight. But if there's some barrenness and despondency, cynicism and there's a there's a void where a gifting used to be and a ministry used to be I'm telling you my simple assignment is to call back to life a second wind soldier is to remind you as has already been echoed in these two services that God's army is not God's army without you You know what David said? David said this, once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. Some of you are waiting on a new word, but if you realized how potent and powerful the first word was, 
you wouldn't need God to speak again. You would just need to. So I prophesy. I, I submit to you that the first miracle of the bones was an ear. I know flesh covered and sin you came, but I just wonder if the first miracle was an ear because the prophet. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell somebody, I don't care how long you have agonized and grown until you're just bones and dust. And so I prophesied as I was committed. I don't see it. I don't feel it. I died in this valley. I gave up in this valley. I lost my ministry. But I hear the sound of a prophet. I hear the sound of a... Lift up your voice for just a moment. I ask the angels of the Lord to minister to the heirs of salvation. I ask the best gifts to be in operation. tell you I want to tell you what can happen in the spirit somebody's about to march out of here the graveyard's about to turn into a marching ground heaven's about to kick over a tombstone and say that's not their epitaph I created them I called This is the kind of army that you're a part of. I fact check myself with Brother Urshan. The story has been told and retold and retold and it's gonna be retold again today. About his great grandfather, born in Iran, I believe, was a missionary in a certain season of his life in Russia. They commanded him, you gotta leave this army. You got to remove yourself from the ranks of this Jesus name. Fanatic, passionate, emboldened, blazing army of truth. Somewhere, somehow, he got the revelation. You can't step away from this. You can only decline out of this there's only decadence after this there's no destiny there's no revival there is nothing more premier than being an apostolic does that sound too selective commanded him again be quiet shut up 
I can't help but speak <laughs> the things which I have seen and heard. So they took him before a firing squad. Am I right? And he had a simple request. Can I pray? He had to speak to an interpreter as the firing squad acquiesced to his request. And they said, you can pray. But if a prophet ever starts talking, it don't matter if there's death behind you, death in front of you, death around you. If the prophetic ever starts speaking, he began to pray in the Holy Ghost. Closed his eyes, got into an otherworldly atmosphere. We would say he got into the spirit on the Lord's day. But when he opened his eyes, the firing squad was gone. The guns were strewn across the ground. And the only people left was the interpreter and the saints of God. Am I right? All the skeptics and analytical ones, look, look over here. Am I right? And the interpreter looked at him he said I didn't know you knew Russian he said when you were praying you spoke to every one of those firing squad members and you told them that the angel armies were behind them ready to strike down anyone who pulled the first am I right you're not part of an anemic army a deflated army an army on their way out you are a part of an army whose creator in chief is Jesus these men of God are about to stretch out their hands and they are about to speak a word of faith I'm telling you right now, two things are getting ready to happen, not just in this moment, but from this moment. See, the mercy and gracious nature of the prophetic is that it can speak to those things that are, are but yet not. But the prophetic can also reach back to what was and currently is not, but can be again. So that means if you've never prayed a soul through and you've never given a word of prophecy and you've never seen the sick healed, you're about to. I said you're about to. Not in five months, not in wins 2025, right here, this week, today, tonight, tomorrow. Where's Barrett? Where's Barrett? Where's Barrett? Is Barrett taking a bathroom break? My man Barrett, you scared me. Come up here, buddy. I would embarrass you for the world. New gifts are going to operate. But some gifts that once operated, but are not right now, 
are going to operate again. And God's not going to speak a new word. You're just going to hear the word of the prophet again. You're just going to hear the word of the promise again. If you need a second wind, and if you want to live and dwell and operate in apostolic fivefold ministry, I want you to raise your hands. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to regain your apostolic posture. I want you to square your shoulders. I don't want you looking down. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to lift. Somebody lift your voice right now. Somebody lift your faith right now. I want every man of God to come to the edge of this platform. I want them to stretch out their hands in authority. Come on, get ready right now. Open up your spirit. Lift up your voice. By the power of the word and the authority of the name, I speak a restoration. I speak a renewal. I speak the birth of apostolic ministry in every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every millennial right now. In the name of Jesus, shout, 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 shout. Speak in tongues right now. Pray in the spirit right now. Come on, breath is coming back. Ministry is coming back. Faith is coming back. Now turn around and lay your hands on someone behind you. Come on, lay your hands on someone beside you, around you, behind you. Come on, there's a second wind. There's a second wind.
If you can hear it, you can believe again. If you can hear it, you can pray again. If you can hear it. Come on, pray for somebody else. Pray for somebody else. You're a part of an army. You're a part of an army. You're a part of an army.
again and we're not going to sing it like it's just a bridge of a song we're going to declare this prophetically over your mind and over your family over your ministry we're going to say get up out of that grave and when you dance it's going to be a powerful prophetic move of the holy ghost over your spirit and there's going to be a breakthrough that is cataclysmic in this atmosphere get up get up get up get up get up get up Jesus. What? What is that? 
next part that we're about to sing, this is what we were dealing with. When you get a victory, you shouldn't just say, oh, thank you, Jesus. When God breaks you through, you shouldn't just recognize it and move on. But the Bible says, I'm going to rejoice with them that rejoice. I'm going to lift up a shout. I'm going to lift up a dance. So when we sing this, it's a prophetic declaration of what God has already done and what he's about to do. My dance will crush Satan. Let's go. 
Jesus. Hallelujah. A big part of this WINS conference is equipping. So we're going to do something really unique right now. We're going to give you a five-minute break. That's not the real unique part, although that is interesting. But then we're going to come back into the auditorium. We got something really great for you. And uh, we're going to have a good time. So we'll give everybody five minutes and we'll come back. And we're going to have some equipping. And then after that, we've got lunch provided for everyone. So God bless you. Five minutes and then come on back. God bless you in Jesus' name. Last year, we had a couple of uh, panel discussions. And uh, the feedback that we got from our WINS conference last year was, was how much everyone enjoyed the panel discussions because... It was a chance to enjoy the inspiration of the power and the presence of God, but then to sort of unpack it through some practical things that we can share. And uh, we have a, a great panel here, Evangelist Charles Robinette, who I'm sure most of you know, has been a part of many crusades overseas and in America. Brother Victor Jackson that you heard this morning, uh, an evangelist that has blessed many. Uh, Pastor Aaron Bounds, pastors a great church in Zanesville, Ohio and uh, also is an evangelist, camp meeting speaker, and just a man that operates in faith and is an inspiration to all of us. And evangelist Chris Green, who's uh, a big part of this conference being started. Some of these men we've been overseas with had crusades. We wanted to bring that atmosphere to North America and to have it tailored toward the millennials and young ministers. And uh, that was kind of the burden that started the conference last year. We saw through COVID that God could bless and anoint and give us some encouragement and enlightenment, even in the midst of an adverse environment. So that's kind of where we're going to start out. This year, our theme is reconnect. We want to reconnect to God through prayer. We want to reconnect to church through service, and we want to reconnect to souls through evangelism. So that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today is reconnecting to souls through evangelism. And we're going to talk specifically about three different subjects. Uh, the first one being harvesting. Really, what does that look like uh, during this season of pandemic and plagues? What does harvesting look like for the church? And then uh, we're going to talk about impartation and talk about mentoring. So we're going to start out today by just putting a question out. Each of you can answer this, however you, uh, whatever you feel led to share. But, you know, when we talk about harvesting in this environment that we're in you know there's a scripture in the book of acts i believe it's chapter 16 that talks about how that the lord fulfilled his promise to abraham that he'd make him a father of many nations that that was fulfilled when the children of israel were in captivity in the 400 years they were in egypt in other words god works his most powerful promises fulfilled in an adverse environment do you gentlemen see that this is where we are now as a church, though we're in this pandemic, that we shouldn't be in a defensive posture, that we should be aggressive in our evangelism? And if so, how do we do that in this season that we're in right now? I'll start with you, Brother Robinette. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Uh, I am so excited about the hour that we are in as a church. I know that there has been some... Uh, that have looked at what we're going through and tried to paint a negative picture of what's happening to the church. But I personally believe that God is positioning the church for an unprecedented global harvest. And I, I, what I mean by that is I do believe that we are getting ready to see 
billions be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, be baptized in Jesus' name, repent of their sins. I do believe that God is positioning us to be a mighty army that operates in the fivefold ministry and the gifts of the Spirit. And so all of this stuff that's been going on, what the devil's meant for evil, God has been just allowing to bring us out of our comfort zones and out from behind our four walls so that we can be this formidable, powerful, anointed, apostolic army that turns the world upside down in a very short period of time. Right. I don't believe that we have much time left. I believe that the billions that are going to be filled are going to be happen. It's going to happen in a moment, in just a split second. There's going to be open doors all over the world. And so, so I, I'm really excited about where we are as a church. I'm not worried about it. I'm not, uh, I'm not even, I don't even want to talk about it. I hate to even say all the nonsense that's going on in the world. I feel like we have glorified too much that's going on in this world every time we talk about it every time we rehearse it every time we put put a finger on it and say this did that i think we ought to be talking about what god is getting ready to do that in the last days, say it god i'm gonna pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and so so i'm really excited and um if you can't tell I'm pumped about where we are as a church and that is this this where I is this that moment yeah just do okay. whatever you feel man. and so I want and are we saying the name too sure okay and so uh, I'm really excited about some of the things that that are coming uh, about right now uh, for the church and for your generation uh, in times past there have been great mighty heroes of the faith we can all call them by name I don't want to do that right now but but we know who they are they operated powerfully but they operated individually but in these last days right. like these preachers talked about today God is going to use you and anoint you to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover and God is going to impart and equip you to be apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers and God is going to equip you to be those uh, those crusade team leaders and those crusade team members that see millions of souls get the Holy Ghost in one single service and so uh, Pastor Myers and uh, Brother Green and a few other great men of God, Brother Galen Walters, have been meeting together talking about a plan that is going to be called Global Harvest in Motion. Right. And what that means is this coming year in 2022, we're going to be doing training sessions all over North America. We're going to teach you the gifts of the spirit. We're going to teach you how to operate in the fivefold ministry. Mm. We're going to teach you how to be team members in crusades. We're going to teach you how to be crusade team leaders so that when everything opens up and God gives us stadiums around the world that are filled with hundreds of thousands 
thousands of people it's not going to be these big name preachers that are going to these stadiums but it's going to be young men and young women of God that have heard the voice of yes. the spirit and have moved into apostolic destiny and you're going to speak the word of faith yes. and see it with your own eyes yes Woo, Jesus. So in 2022, we've already begun to plan. We're going to do five global crusades and five North American crusades. And, and we're going to see over a million receive the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Brother Jackson, <laughs> I would just like to say, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Ditto. I agree. I'm behind it. I'm for it. I support it. I like it. I love it. And all of those amazing words. And uh, I think. That's kind of the spirit of this conference and the spirit of what we're trying to do. So in that regard, I'd like to hear from Brother Green. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the pint size. <laughs> there is obviously a shift happening globally, spiritually. January the 2nd, 2020, I was in Australia. The Lord spoke to me and said, prepare yourself. Your ministry is about to change. I wrote it down and uh, came home. And uh, funny part of the story is that because of the times last year, so this is like pre-COVID shutdown, I had eight people come and prophesy to me. And when the ninth came, I said, no, I'm good. I've, I got it. I know what you're going to say. I've had eight others tell me, you know, there's, there's a shift happening. There's transition happening, you know. And um, when the, the shutdown happened last year uh, in March, my wife and I, we were in Portland, Oregon. And um, we went out there where her, her, her dad pastors. And we spent the better part of last year there. Um, the Lord had spoke to me very, very directly and said that if you will seek me early, if you will seek me diligently, I'll tell you exactly what I want you to do. And so I began to seek God diligently, began to seek God early. And, uh, Hosea five and 15 says in their affliction, they will seek me early. The word affliction translates to a tight place of distress. It's interesting that pressure causes us to, to seek God more fervently. And he says, in their affliction, they will seek God early. So I, I don't like the word early, so I looked it up in the Hebrew. Um, I was praying it. It said like, you know, before you go to bed or before noon. Uh, early to me is 11 a.m. And I found out through study that early to God is an hour before sunrise. And I almost backslid when I, I found that out. An hour before sunrise. And it happened, you know, to be daylight savings. And up in the north, it was, I mean, the sun would rise at 5 and 5.30. So I'm thinking, dear Lord, I got to get up, you know, 3.34, whatever. So anyways, I did this. And... And uh, all the way jumping forward to August of last year, 
the Lord showed me in a vision. I remember I was just, I was so desperate. How many of you have been desperate? I was so desperate to know, God, what do you want me to do? I went into the church at 5 a.m. or so is Sunday morning and I went up to the altar and I said those I didn't I didn't start with I you know I normally start with praise and repentance and I'll read the word and have my routine that day I just I, I threw the routine out the window I walked up to the altar and I said God what do you want me to do and for the next hour I saw a vision of the church leaving the church leaving the building I should say going into the streets and going into the highways and into the hedges and reaching the lost so i knew then okay this is what i'm going to do but i thought how that's the next question right in matthew chapter 10 jesus said if you'll step out you don't need to know how my spirit will tell you how to do it matthew 10 he says you'll be arrested and brought before the council you'll be beaten and rejected for my name's sake he said don't don't worry about what you will say or how you will do it. If you just go, my spirit will lead the way. And I was twiddling my thumbs and wondering, but what am I? I, I was in Portland where, where the, the murder rate had gone, jumped up 1,600%. I mean, it, you know, 50% is a lot. It was 1,600%. Over 130 straight days of riots and bombings and it's going on again right now in Portland and this is where we were I'm thinking well, what can I do out there during this adverse environment right and so I just kind of kept sitting there and mapping and blueprinting and, and planning and and we can plan too long because we're afraid of failure and rejection yeah, that's right. the the only plan Jesus gave Peter to do something that no one else had ever done except God himself walking on water was one word come come he didn't sit there and get his calculator out and you know his little whatever I mean he just jumped out of the boat and started doing it you know and at some point we've got to stop planning it and start doing it not afraid of failure because watch oh, I'm gonna preach my sermon right now I was supposed to preach tonight just act like you didn't hear this tonight why would we be afraid of failure when Jesus prophesied we would fail? Why would we be afraid of rejection when Jesus prophesied we would be rejected? He said, you're going to go out there and they're going to hate you, reject you, kill you. According to our standards, that's, that's failure. Because we only determine success by the results. When Jesus determined success by the reach of the church, we determine success by how many people come to church. Jesus determined success by how many people in the church go to the world. While we say, okay. And so here I am planning, 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 planning. And here comes your, your buddy, Sean Foyt. <laughs> they're not, they're not really, really, really buddies, but there was a connection there, right? You, well, he, he, he came after you. Okay. He, he, this, 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 this guy, he's got, he's not with us. He's not a part. I was joking about them being friends. Please don't cancel Victor Jackson. <laughs> but this guy from California, he's a preacher. He's a Trinitarian. He's a charismatic. And he's during the shutdown, he's having crusades in California on the beach 
where you'd get arrested if you go to the beach by yourself because they're afraid you're going to give the dolphins COVID or something. I don't know. And they're having crusades on the beach. He's not worried about getting arrested. And I never heard of this guy before. And somebody sends me a video of him and they said, hey, listen to this video. And this man, this Trinitarian charismatic preacher says, tomorrow I'm going to Portland because there's hunger in Portland. While the rest of us apostolics were hiding in the caves and hiding in the bunkers and hiding in the basements waiting for the dust to settle and go back to business as usual this man says i'm gonna go have a crusade in downtown portland so i went and i went down there in the middle of the 1600 percent murder rate 130 plus days of bombings and riots going off this guy without the full truth is having a crusade now this is what i saw you can debate this if you want i saw it myself i went down there and there was thousands i have videos thousands of people there worshiping jesus i turn around and i'm looking around and people are receiving the holy ghost with no one to pray for them they go down to the willamette river that runs through downtown and they're back there's so many people that just want to be baptized they're baptizing them five at a time Jesus I speak to the Lord in that moment I said God how could your blessing and favor be upon this he doesn't have the full truth the Lord spoke to me and said this I've blessed him because he's doing more with two pennies than what you're doing with the abundance of truth My goodness. what are you doing with the full truth that's the question God has asked me these last couple of years. What are you doing with my truth? Are you just going from conference to conference, telling people who are already saved how to be saved even more? Are you just going from platform to platform, preaching to people who are already persuaded? Are you only confining the truth of your ministry in pulpits, on platforms, at conferences, and at, at churches? Or are you going to the well, sitting by a prostitute? Are you going to those who are full of leprosy? Are you going... Paul said, I want to go somewhere where there is no foundation. I want to go where there has been no truth. I want to tell somebody about Jesus who has never heard about Jesus. I'm thankful for this conference because this conference is not made up of just a bunch of people patting ourselves on the back because my flesh would rather you tell me good job than to hear him say well done and that's what a lot and I'm not condemning conferences I'm just saying that's what we love to do good job good job good job but I've made up my mind I want to hear him say well done Jesus name Brother Bounds, talk to us a little bit about harvesting. What a tremendous work that you have done. You've, you've been on the leading edge of evangelism, personal evangelism. Uh, in this unique time that we're in, is it, is it a season that God's calling us to ramp up our personal evangelism? If so how do we do that? I think that, that you have to be willing to fail. And Elisha told Gehazi, he said, take, take my staff. Uh, to the great woman's house and laid on the boy that was dead in the, in the chamber she had placed him there. And Gehazi runs ahead and lays, lays the staff on the boy and, and he follows behind when the prophet and the mother get there and Gehazi comes out and it didn't work. Matter of fact, you won't find any place in scripture where the method of laying the, the staff on somebody had ever been done before. And uh, 
he failed at that method of trying to resurrect and see a miracle. So he didn't give up. You know what he did? He laid nose to nose, eye to eye, hand to hand, feet to feet on that dead boy. And the boy came alive. And the reason he did that is because his father in the gospel, he called him father, father, the prophet Elijah. Elijah had told him of a moment that there was a... And, the Zarephath woman that the boy had died and he had laid nose to nose, eye to eye, hand to hand, foot to foot. And it was a method that the elder had used and he tried it and it worked. And the point I say to you is that he was willing to try new methods in a modern world to see miracles take place. He was willing to fail, but he wouldn't give up if it failed. And when you're launching out trying to do something that maybe the last generation didn't do, you're going to try new methods and sometimes they're going to fall. Sometimes it's not going to work. And I'd say this to you today is you, you can't be so precise in your planning that you stretch out so long in your planning that you miss the moment of the miracle because you want the method to be perfect. I'm willing to fail. But I'm, I'm not going to live in regret because souls are in the balance. I was traveling from a quiz tournament, and, and I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you've got to be willing to fail. you got to be willing to fail. I can't tell you how many people I've invited to church and they didn't come. How many Bible studies I've taught and they didn't, they, they didn't see it. I can't tell you how many times I've laid hands on somebody, they weren't healed or filled. But you don't stop because it didn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out. The soul was worth trying again and getting up again. I planted churches that do not exist. But I've also planted churches that are thriving now and are planting churches. You can't base what you do on whether you're going to fail or not. You've got to base what you're going to do when there's a harvest that's ready to be reaped right now. And I'm going to do whatever I can to reach them. I was in traveling from a quiz tournament. I believe it was nationals. I was headed to preach a Michigan camp meeting. And I had a six-hour layover. So much so, I finally went up and said, I, you've got to get me on a plane to get there. I have to be there tonight. And they did. And uh, so they got my luggage and got on this, got on this uh, plane. I was going to get there just enough time almost to preach. And I had my clothes laid out on the dashboard because they're wrinkled. And I was hoping the heat from the sun would iron them. I mean, it was desperate times. I stopped at the gas station next to the campground and changed into the, the hopefully sun-pressed suit, you know. And, and uh, I get to the camp meeting, and but while I was on that plane, uh, I dozed off into sleep. And for me, I'm not when I'm. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right Thank now. Thank you, Lord. You know, God won't speak to a busy mind or a weary mind. He expects us to be balanced. And I've learned that there's moments that when you're not asleep, but you're, uh, you're awake, but sort of not asleep, it's a place of rest that I call it my mail slot, that God inserts a word. Mm. And it was at that moment, Brother Robinette, that God showed me a vision. I saw a field on that while I was on that plane. I closed my eyes and I saw a field as big as you could imagine. It was a wheat field, 
And I looked, it was, it was very large harvest field, but when I began to look very close, I could see that it was heads of individual people. But God was showing me the harvest is ready now. I, I came into the camp meeting. I came into the camp meeting. I was so glad that Brother Judd and Tupelo Children's Mission was doing the presentation. Because that meant I didn't have to preach right yet. Literally walked in, went on the pulpit, and I'm just glad I made it. And then they introduced me, and I stepped to the pulpit. When I stepped to the pulpit, the Holy Ghost wouldn't let me preach. I started prophesying. And I said, the Lord showed me a vision today, and it was a field, and I told exactly what I told you. And I said, and God said, the time is now. The time is now. I'm telling you, I couldn't move on to preach. I just stopped. The time is now. The Holy Ghost broke out. People began to run the altar. When I got off this platform and turned around and I looked, the screen of the theme of their camp meeting was the picture that was the vision I had on the plane. And it said on the screen, the time is now. And I say to you, is you've got to try. You've got to try. They're going to be lost if you don't try. There's a pastor in the room thinking about planting a church. You just need to try it. Learn as you go, but don't wait until you got everything in order. I maybe operate a little bit different, but I'm willing to trip and fall on my face, but I'm going to fall forward in the motion of trying to reach that city, trying to reach the harvest. I do feel something. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, give me the faith to try. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He was despised and he was rejected. But he saved the world. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Ahead, I really feel something in the Spirit. There's a young person wanting to witness to somebody in your community. You need to quit worrying about the result of it and just try. Open your mouth and say, I just feel to tell you, God, God's moving. God loves you. We have a church in Guatemala with 16 campuses right now because our secretary felt a nudge of the spirit in the pizza shop and said, I just feel to tell you that God loves you. They came to church, was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was a 22-year crack cocaine addict in our city. And he came and the preacher pointed out and told him everything he'd done the night before. He was instantly delivered of a 22-year crack cocaine addiction and is now a missionary with 16 churches in Guatemala because you just got to step out and try. Just, just if they reject me, they reject me. But I'm not going to live in regret of what would have been or what could have been. Oh, come on, God, give us the faith to try. Give us the faith to open up our mouth and speak yes. what God has given us to speak. Yes. At the restaurant today, why don't you just try? Oh. At the, when the waiter steps to the table, why don't you just try? Yes. Why don't you come to our conference? Something's going to happen. You believe that? Clap your hands and praise Him. Oh, thank you, Lord. Jesus. Yes, Brother Jackson. Go ahead. I um what what you're seeing is the the pattern of success and reaching people is is that 
You can't have it all calculated before you step out to do something. Because um, many times the burden will visit your spirit before your mind comprehends it. You have to act what's on your spirit and let the mind catch up over time. Just telling you, that's how it works. I remember whenever I got into church because what these men of God are, are speaking is, is so crucial and vital. And if you can get it, that concept of stepping out on the water, stepping out. I remember whenever I got into church and I was hungry for God and was going to different Bible studies and I was calling people for Bible study. I was like, who's having Bible study? Who's having Bible study? It's going to like three to five Bible studies a week. Well, after about eight weeks of doing that, and I was taking so many notes, and I was writing so many oneness scriptures, and here's how you refute Mormonism, and here's how you, here's how you refute uh, Jehovah's Witness, and here's how you, I mean, dude, I'm just this. After about eight weeks, and the Lord started dealing with me, he says, I want you to teach a Bible study. I'm like, God, I'm only in church eight weeks. At that time, I didn't know who Elijah was. I didn't know who Elisha was. I didn't know, I didn't know who the prophets were. But all I, I knew the doctrine. I knew Acts 2.38. I knew the gospel. And he said, I, I want you to share my gospel. I want you to start teaching Bible studies. And so I was like, oh, okay, Lord. I mean, here we go. I mean, whatever that means. And so... I remember I got my, uh, um, I knew it's always good if you have a Bible study, it's always good to have some snacks. That was it. <laughs> snacks. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I got a good start here. I got some snacks. I had invited people, hey, having a Bible study, you know, got some snacks, you know. I got my little dorm room set up, you know, had like four, had like 15 Bibles set it out on the table. Uh, they're all eating snacks, and there was Koreans there, people from China, uh, Australia, Sweden, Switzerland, uh, Nigeria, Cameroon, um, Montenegro. It was an international Bible study. My first Bible study was international Bible study. <laughs> and at this time, like, I don't even really, you know, the only thing I had that was holy was like my basketball warm-ups. That, that was it. That was it. Because every day I wore a tank top, Jordan shorts, Jordan slippers, Jordan socks, Jordan headband. Because like, I'm trying to do these Bible studies, so I got to, you know, walk holy. So I put on my basketball warm-up, zipped it up all the way to the top. Y'all not hearing me out there. Y'all not hearing me. And I was sweating, y'all. Come on, somebody. It was, it was May. And what I did is I printed out, I didn't know what I was, I didn't know what to do. I just knew I had a burden to reach. So I know I don't know all the scriptures. So what I did was I printed out these printouts, you know, like these search for truth printouts. So I got like 15 printouts. There's about three to five people from the church. They were there to just encourage me. Like, oh, bless them, Lord, bless them. You know, <laughs> they knew I was going to be terrible. Come on, somebody. They're like, we're just here for support, you know. And I got up, and my first Bible study, I was just like, uh, 
God is good, right? All right. All right. Awesome. Oh, man. Oh. Snacks were... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, that's great. Well, we're gonna... <laughs> we're gonna... And this is all accurate because it's on video. Come on, somebody. Listen. <laughs> I'm not embellishing. This is accurate. Well, uh, we're going to get in the Bible today, if that's all right with y'all. And uh, who wants to read first? Someone's like, well, I'll read. They read after they was done. I was like, great reading. How was amazing reading. After he was done, I said, what about you? Would you like to read? They're like, yeah. I was like, go ahead. Oh, incredible. Wow. I'll read this part. I read. And then after reading for a while like that, there was a question at the end that said, you know, have you been baptized? So I was like, who wants to read that question? I was like, huh? So have you been baptized in Jesus' name? And I was like, I have... How about you guys? And they're like, well, someone's like, well, I haven't. I haven't. Well, according to what we just read, together, <laughs> you should probably do that. He's like, okay, when can I get baptized? A bunch of stumbling, a bunch of failure, a bunch of not having it together. I just had a burden. Mm. Wow. Wasn't perfect. After, and I didn't even feel a call to ministry at the time. I didn't know what ministry was. I've only been in church eight weeks. Come on, somebody. I didn't even feel a call to, pre- I just wanted to reach people. But on the journey of just reaching, I kept, every week, I kept having that Bible study. Then there came a time after a few months of teaching like that, I got up and I said, hey, there's no handouts today. Started getting my preaching coming on. Come on, somebody. My, my back started straightening up. But on the journey of failure, I was growing. I was growing more burdened and confident to reach out to them, not knowing that later God would call me to the ministry. He'd tell me to give up my basketball scholarships, to give my life to the Lord. But it all started with a burden to step out and reach one. What we're talking about here is if you just get a burden to reach one, there's another and then there's another and then there's another and then it's millions and then it's billions and then it's churches and then it's Portland don't get weighed down by saying how am I going to reach all these people because you just get a burden to reach one and and I, and and I'll wrap this up by saying whenever God told me to go to Minneapolis to pray for these protesters and pray for these police officers in the police department. 
whenever God told me to go and pray for them, to go and preach, he said, go preach my gospel. Go declare my name. Now, I didn't know. He just said, go. I didn't know how that was going to look. I was like, okay, should I give out Bibles? Should I get some donuts? Should I get some coffee? He's like, you'll figure it out. Just go. When my wife heard about it, she went straight into intercession. She started praying because that was the first day that the curfew uh, was there. At 8 o'clock, National Guard came in. My wife just went into prayer, and I was about to pace back and forth and pray with her. I, I prayed literally for five seconds, and the Lord said, stop praying and go. He said, you've been praying. You've been in church services all, come on. You've been in altar calls all year. This is not the time for another prayer meeting. This is the time to do something. And I'm afraid we get locked in our prayer closets. And we cry and we pray and we get locked in these altar calls. And we cry and we pray and that's necessary. But when we're done praying, we got to get up and go do something. Amen. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I just showed up and saw one person, prayed for one person, saw another person, prayed for another person, saw a doctor, prayed for a doctor. Next thing you know, there were no preachers preaching out in the, in the streets, but there were some churches that were serving food went up to one of those churches and said, hey, y'all, y'all need prayer? Have me lay hands on that denominational pastor and his whole congregation. Met so many people. But my desire was not to reach a lot of people there. It was just, can I just reach one? And when you have a desire and a burden where you say, I'm going to take action to reach one, that one is connected to another. That one has a family. That one has people they're connected to. And it just grows. But you can't skip that process of the burden of action to one. And that is a burden to reach. But also what's going to happen is your ministry, your life, your gifting is going to expand. Because now God can trust you with more. He doesn't just give more for you to dump it into yourself. I told somebody the other day, what good is an anointing if you waste it on yourself? Wow. What good is an anointing if you waste it on yourself? It, it, the anointing is divine enablement to do something. But what good is it to come every service and I'm anointed, I'm anointed, I'm anointed, I'm anointed, I'm anointed, I'm anointed. Here you're not releasing it into a broken soul so do something you're gonna fail i failed i i still i i still fail reaching people people say no people look at me crazy come on somebody but you know what i rejoice at least i'm trying because i got a burden and that's what we want you to get today amen it's so good brother robinette i was thinking as brother jackson was talking how philip left that great revival in samaria to reach one person in the desert what do you say to people that are, they, we, we have a burden to reach others. We know it's part of our responsibility as disciples and Christians, but we're not a Victor Jackson or an Aaron Bounds. How, talk a little bit about impartation. You spoke a prophetic word 
before this conference about such as I have give I unto thee. How do we take that impartation of what God's given us and turn it into understanding that God's got a calling for us, who we are as individuals? Yes, sir. Well, number one, we're, we're all called to win souls. So that's not, that's not even debatable. It's not something we should question. It's not my personality. I uh, forget who said it today. God didn't call us to a personality. Um, that's, that's not what God's calling his personality. So, so he's called us to win souls. And um, I remember the very first Bible study I ever taught. And I was talking to Brother Galen Walters about this yesterday, and I didn't even know he was the author of the Bible study that I taught. But I, I had received the gift of the Holy Ghost at 14 years old, and my pastor, Bill Nix, just, he always told us, everybody can go teach a Bible study. Everybody go teach a Bible study. Everybody knock a door. Everybody win a soul. And, and so when I got the Holy Ghost, I just thought that's what we do. We just go teach a Bible study. It, that made sense because the pastor said so. And so I, I took this old Bible study into his marvelous light, a little 30-minute Bible study. I was 14. I was pushing grocery, grocery carts at Myers, And on my lunch break, I stood up in the lunchroom and I opened up this Bible study into his marvelous light and I started teaching my colleagues without their permission. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure, thank God, it was not a social media generation because if anybody had a video of that lesson, I'm pretty sure it was a nightmare. And um, I was sweating. I was sweating through my little yellow whatever you call that thing so nobody hit me while I was pushing carts. And, and I was my hazard vest. I was out. I, it was a hazardous experience for sure. And I was teaching this into his marvelous light Bible study, a 30-minute Bible study that I completed in five minutes. And when I finished, all of a sudden, somebody said, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. And then another lifted their hand and said, I'd like to be baptized in Jesus' name. And on my lunch break, I called my youth pastor, who was Scott Sistrunk. And I said, Brother Sistrunk, we're right down the road from the church. I don't have a car. I don't have a license. But I've got colleagues that we've got to be baptized in less than 30 minutes. I said, come pick us up at the Myers there on Carpenter Road, and we'll be standing out front in our hazard vest, ready to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so Scott Sistrunk picked us up in his car, sped like a speed demon to, to the church at 6400 Textile Road, baptized my colleagues in Jesus' name. They came out of the water speaking in tongues. We put our hazard vest back on, ran back to Myers, and went back to work. But nobody taught me to teach a Bible study. I wasn't worried about what anybody thought. I just knew the Holy Ghost was good enough for me, and it's got to be good enough for the world. Baptism in Jesus' name was good enough for me. It's got to be good enough for somebody else. And so without any training, I just did it. I just 
did what my pastor said I believed in my man of God and he said I could teach a Bible study and he said I could win a soul and so I just took what was in my hands into his marvelous light and took an experience that I didn't even understand yet and went to work and started teaching Bible studies and you know the same thing happened when I joined the military when I got in the military, I was 18 years old when I joined the military. 19 when I got stationed in my first duty assignment in, in Germany and got to meet uh, Heidi Urshan and, and, and she, we, we got to be her youth pastor for a season. And then God fixed all of the mistakes we made and gave her better leaders. And that was a great thing. But, but we got to be there in Germany. And, and I remember... Brother, Brother Enos was always about winning every soldier. You got to win the soldiers, win the bases, win, win those, those preaching points on other bases that are. And I remember going to work and I was a police officer in the military and I would tell my partner, you drive today. And while he would drive, I would pull out into his marvelous light. And at 19 years old, I started teaching into his marvelous light to every single soldier in my unit. And in less than a year, we baptized over 30 of my colleagues in the military. My fellow soldiers baptized them in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. We would get off duty, go straight to the church in Landstuhl, Germany, and baptize them in Jesus' name. And they'd come up out of the water speaking with other tongues and I'm just telling somebody you don't have to have an education you don't have to go to Bible school to do this all you gotta have is the power of God that's flowing through your veins and the word that you heard in the spirit that said go and if you will go and teach and preach yes Jesus, you'll win every single person you teach a Bible study to. Brother Green, impartation. How do we, you know, it was mentioned earlier today about David. And the Bible said when kings went to battle, David stayed home. And yet the Bible says that we are kings and priests. We know that we are called to go to battle. And what all of these men are talking about is they accepted the assignment to go to battle, to fight for individual souls. What's the common denominator here? Passion, burden. But none of us started in a pulpit. We started by stepping out in faith and teaching Bible studies. How do we, on a practical level, unpack harvesting from the standpoint of imparting what has been given to us to others uh as i I mentioned earlier you know when peter was in the boat he said jesus if that's you invite me to come to you walking on the water jesus just said come what he didn't say is he didn't tell him how he was going to avoid failure he didn't say come to me but make sure you keep your eyes on me make sure you don't don't turn your head to the side he didn't give all these details he just said come you follow this pattern uh, of the teaching of Jesus Matthew 10 Mark 16 Luke 10 
Jesus just simply said, go, 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 go. As we were having, I mean, a service this morning that was unparalleled to any other services that you could have had, the move of God was evident. The word of God was powerful. The spirit of the Lord was moving in this place. And as I'm standing over here, I'm thinking to myself, we need this. We need these services. But if it stays here, nothing's going to happen. In Acts chapter 4, the very first attack against the first apostolic church was a threat of fear to keep what they believed locked up in the building. They literally said, they said, don't go out anymore speaking or preaching the name of Jesus. They threatened them with fear. The devil's not afraid of what happens at this conference as long as it stays at this conference. The devil's not afraid of what happens at your church on Sunday morning as long as it stays at your church on Sunday morning. The word of God that came through Brother Jackson and Brother Gore, the spirit of the Lord that moved, that was, I want that. I want that every service. But it does no good if we leave it here. In Matthew 10, Jesus said, go. Actually, he said this, as you go. He started the sentence with, as you go. Assuming you would go. (laughs) He never said, go to church. Didn't get an amen there. In fact, in his very last sermon, before he resurrected, or before he ascended into heaven, he said the opposite of go to church. He said, go to the world. Matthew 10, he said, as you go, he assumed the church would go. As you go, preach. The word preach is not a ordained licensed minister with an alpha personality standing by a pulpit on Sunday morning preaching with the gift of faith. The word preach, literally, it translates to a public proclamation of what you believe. So in that sense, everybody's a preacher. The question isn't, do you preach? The question is, what do you preach? Everybody preaches because you proclaim what you believe on a daily basis. The question is, what are you preaching? And so he said, as you go, preach. Watch this. The equation equals, you will heal the sick. You will cleanse the lepers. You will raise the dead and you will cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. In Ezekiel 2 and 3, it's a story. It's it's one long story, Ezekiel 2 and 3. It's an amazing story. And you find in this conversation that God has with Ezekiel, he tells him, he, he, uh, he repeats himself. When God repeats himself, you better pay attention. He says this phrase three times. Whether they hear... Or whether they refuse you need to go to them anyways whether they in other words whether they receive it or whether they reject it that's not up to you see what we do is we base our testimony our witness our efforts on man are they hungry or not are they gonna receive it or not you know, do they have they shown any signs at the office at the school wherever that they they're a Christian you know they they, they want to come to church We will judge them and think, I'm not going to tell them. There's no way they would come to church. There's no way they would believe in Jesus. Um, He repeats the phrase, whether whether they hear or whether they refuse, go to them anyways, so that at least they will know that a prophet has been among them. The second phrase he repeats three times is this. 
eat my word, then go. He repeats that phrase three times to Ezekiel. Eat my word, then go to the captives. Go to those who are backslidden in Israel. Eat my word, then go. The problem is, is we eat the word, 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 and we don't go. Eat my word and then go. And then there's a phrase he repeats twice in Ezekiel 3. He says, if you eat my word and you do not go, they will die in their sin, but their blood will be on your hands. He says that twice. So Ezekiel says, okay, I'll go. He says, so I ate the word and it was like honey in my spirit. He said, then I went to the plains where the spirit of the Lord led me to speak to the captive. And he says, when I got there, I saw the glory of God. The hand of the Lord came upon me. I heard his voice speak and he said, I began to tremble and I watch this. He says, when I went where God told me to go, I fell to my face and the spirit filled me up and stood me upon my feet. Because there's a time to be on your face and there's a time to be on your feet. Mm. What was amazing about this is that if you study Ezekiel 3, he goes where God tells him to go and then here comes all of a sudden there's this weird verse that says that these people came into his house and they wrapped him up with chains and shackles. They bound him in his house. And I had no clue what this meant. I thought, is this a demonic attack? I had to study this out. And when I studied, I found that it was the Jewish people coming into his house. They tied his hands and feet together. They locked his mouth shut. It was the Jewish people who were afraid of what this man was doing. They thought he was a madman. What it was, was the spirit of tradition saying, we don't do that here. You're acting crazy. Oh, he was acting like a prophet. He was acting like an apostolic. You know, apostolic means to be sent, and he had been sent. He was acting apostolic, and the church of tradition, the criticism of tradition came against him and said, no, 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 you shut your mouth. We don't do that here. They locked him down, but Jesus, the, or God gave him the word, and all of a sudden the chains were broken, the shackles were loosed. God opened his mouth, and he went and began to speak. So what you need to do, and, and it's interesting because here's Brother Robinette talking about billions Here's Brother Jackson talking about one. Mm. This is what Galen Walters calls a grand vision with a granular ex execution. We can't have billions if we don't have one. I, I'm not going to convince billions to come, but we can. That's why, that's why the angel told Elijah, the journey is too great for you individually. So I got to give you somebody. So we can have billions if you'll reach one. How do you reach one? If they won't come to church, I'll tell you how. You become the church in their life. If they won't accept Jesus, if they won't believe Jesus, if they don't want Jesus, guess what you do? You become the Jesus in their life. Forget about getting them to church. You be the church in their life. You love them. You help them. You feed them. You, you clothe them. It, Jesus called it pure and undefiled religion. I had a dream several months ago and, the, and man it was a dream it was one of those dreams I woke up sobbing and speaking with tongues and in this dream the Lord was coming back it was interesting I know some parts of dreams are kind of weird in the dream I got a text message from God pretty cool huh <laughs> I got a text message from God 
And God said, Was that AT&T or Verizon? <laughs> uh, it was the uh, apostolic network. <laughs> and uh, I get a text message from God and, says, and God says, I'm coming back very soon. He says, the two things I'm looking for in my church, I'm looking for purity. And I'm looking for those who will reach the lost. He said, cancel your schedule, cancel everything. He said, search for my purity and search for the lost. He said, that's what I'm looking for. Oh, I want to, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for what they shall see God. <laughs> they shall see God. Hmm. So in the question, I don't know if I've answered the question, but this is, this is this as basic as I would put it. Okay. The bridge from where they are to where they need to be is your relationship with them. That's how you reach the harvest, is you build the bridge. Do you know Romans 8, it says, praying in the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to make what? Intercession. Do you know what that word intercession, it translates into intervention, but it also means to build a bridge from where they are to where they need to be. That's why when you pray in the Spirit, you can reach people that you couldn't normally reach in the natural. You can reach them in the supernatural. So the way that we reach the harvest is we become the bridge to where they are to where they need to be. The greatest bridge that was ever built, it's called Calvary. We couldn't get here without Jesus interceding on our behalf and building the bridge from where we were in darkness into his marvelous light. Mm. So I told somebody, okay, I'm going too long. Um, I told somebody, a, a youth pastor, he called me, he said, he said, man, he said, help me to know what to do because we're having like 30 new, they run about, I don't know, 15 or so young people in their youth group. He said, every Friday night, we're having between 30 and 40 people come to our youth service all of a sudden. And he said, it's a bunch of basketball players, people that want to play basketball, but we make them come to the devotion and the little youth service we have and then go play basketball in the gym. And he said, they've been coming for months. And I said, okay, what are you doing to get them to church? He said, well, that's the problem. They don't want to go to church. They just want to play basketball. I said, right. That's all they want to do. You're right. They're coming to play basketball. But you're supposed to build the bridge from basketball to the altar. And he said, well, how do I do that? I said, Tuesday night, fajita night. Taco Tuesday. He's like, what are you talking about, Taco Tuesday? I said, they don't want to come to church, but they'll come get tacos on Tuesday at your house. He said, well, what do I do? I said, this is what you do. I said, you tell them, those young men, they're hungry and they don't have money. I'm making tacos on Tuesday night at my house, free. Come to my house and we're going to have 10, 15 minutes of eating. Then we're going to have a 30-minute Bible study and then you're, you're free to do whatever you want. Well, sure enough, they came. He had like seven or eight come on the first Tuesday night and, he, and they had Taco Tuesday, fajita night, free fajitas. They had 10 or 15 minutes of eating and then I told them, this is how you connect them to the voice of your church. I said, don't just come up with any Bible study you can if you want, but try to connect them to the element of the sermon that's being preached on Sunday. Sunday morning so you're connecting them to the voice of your pastor without them even knowing it so your pastor your pastor preached on Luke 15 the prodigal son okay Tuesday night I'm gonna give them a Bible study about the prodigal son and now I'm connecting them to the voice of the pastor they're coming for tacos but now I'm connecting them to my church and they don't even know it 
And then I said, after you do that for a few weeks, I said, then you bring them, you, you, you connect them uh, to, to the mission on a Saturday morning. You go feed the homeless or you go, you go do a soup kitchen or whatever. You go feed the or clean the streets or whatever because now they're working together. Now they're, they're, they don't even realize that they're, they're partnering in the mission that Jesus told us to do. And now they're working together. They're bonding. And now they're coming to your house. And, and before long, they're going to say, man, what church do you go to? I want to come to your church. He started doing that in March. By the end of, of April, he had over 35, nearly 40 people coming to the Taco Tuesday on Tuesday night. And after about six weeks of giving them tacos on Tuesday and taking them, you know, feed the homeless on Saturday, they started coming to church. And now they're being baptized. Now they're being filled with the Holy Ghost because he built the bridge for them to come to church. So the question is this, all, or, or, or the answer is this, all you have to do is ask, ask yourself, how can I build a bridge to that person? How can I build a bridge to that family? How can I build a bridge to that neighborhood or to that family that God has put into my life? I'm going to be the Jesus. I'm going to be the church in their life. They don't want to come to church. I'll bring the church to them. Yes. Amen. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. Pastor Bounds, part of impartation is, is mentoring. And you've been instrumental in, in using young people um, in your church and in your ministry. Talk to us a little bit about mentoring and how we can not just uh, witness to others, but literally duplicate ourselves. Okay. I, I'll give this example. Uh, I'll never forget being a young PK teenager wanting to do something for God, didn't know what it would be. At a campground in West Virginia, I see some dear friends here from the great state of West Virginia. Amen. Almost heaven, <laughs> West Virginia. Um, but I, I'll never forget as a young teenager setting, we had a choir loft is where the youth said if the sanctuary was filled. So the preacher would have to preach to the audience and turn around and preach to the youth at the camp. is a little bit different, but I remember this preacher preaching there. And he was a masterful preacher. He would come in late for church. But he was masterful. And then he would leave early. And I remember at the end of that week, thinking to myself as a young teenager, I could never be as good as him. I could never be that. It was a few years later that there was a preacher that came and, and uh, he preached equally, maybe even better. But in the altar service, I'd feel his hand on my head, lingered in the altar, learned my name. Playing basketball one day, I turned around, and there he was standing there in blue jeans and a T-shirt, and he was on the basketball court with us at a youth camp. And I remember thinking to myself, maybe I could become like him because he allowed his self to become attainable connected, involved, and plugged in. His name was Scott Graham, by the way. Mm. And uh, it, it inspired me more than you could ever imagine. You know, there's this word in the scripture that's very, very powerful. It's the word with. With God, mm -hmm. all things are possible. And we are buried with him by baptism into death. Like as Christ was raised. It, it's the power of with 
I, I was trying to get my boy to exercise, and I'd say, you need to do these many, you need to do this many push-ups a day, and, and I'd ask him, did you get your push-ups done? And, uh, uh, you know, it was a battle. It was not until, and you know Sawyer, this is Sawyer's hero right here. But uh, it wasn't until I got down and started doing push-ups with him. Right. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. <laughs> when he says, Dad, will you wake me up at 20 after 5 and take me to the gym in the morning? I have to remember it's with. Amen. <laughs> Ministry is not about having them to do. It's a having them to work along with you. My dad was great at this. He believed in the power of with, that if you're going to the hospital, take a young preacher with you. If you're teaching a Bible study, let them. I learned to teach on Bible studies by listening to my dad. I listened to my dad. He didn't know, he didn't know that I was there sometimes. I would sit, I would sit and there was, there was the, my dad taught so many home Bible studies that there was a path from the back door that went to the kitchen to the dining room table. That there was a, literally the varnish was wore off the floor. I can still see it in my mind. He taught so many sinners Bible states, how he built churches. And uh, I was so inspired by that. And uh, I, in between the living room, the living room and the dining room was a little, just a foyer. And that's where the steps went up. I would sit on the steps and I would listen to my dad teach Bible studies. And I'm telling you, he was good. And he started talking about how God had healed his hands from carpal tunnel syndrome. He would start talking about this. And I remember knowing, I heard him teach those Bible studies so many times in my home. But I knew when he started telling this story and or this point, I would literally cock my hand back like this. I was 13. And I cocked my hand back and I knew, here it comes. He didn't see me. He had these denominational people or these sinners from the community. And I, he would tell that story and the Holy Ghost would fall. And I'd hear him go, <laughs> I see it. I see it. Behind the scenes, yes, because I was with him, I was around him, I was near him. This generation isn't going to get our burden from a general pulpit, right? They're going to get it by them walking along with you. Right. Jesus preached to the general audience, right. but you know what? He ran from crowds, but he run to individuals. He hung out with three, he hung out with 12, he hung out with 70, and occasionally synagogues and crowds. But he believed in the power of them walking with him. He changed the world in less than a week. We call it Calvary. But he took three and a half years to walk with his disciples to train, train them to hand that over to them in the next generation. We, the most powerful meeting in the church I pastor is not our Sunday night service. Is not our Sunday morning. The most powerful meeting where the gifts of the Spirit operate is in our young ministers class and our preachers training classes. It's the most powerful. There's 12 to 15, sometimes 20 in that class. And in that moment of sharing a burden, I'm talking about I teach them. Uh, am I okay? Yes. I teach them because we're planning churches. We're multi-campus. We have a great vision of sending missionaries and sending out and being apostolic. He's talking about you can't do that without training. And so they set in on a Tuesday night, first Tuesday night of the month, and I was teaching, I teach them how to preach funerals. For all the evangelists, I, pre I teach them how to pay evangelists. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome too, amen. Hospitality, how to take care of evangelists. I talk to them about counseling, how to preach baby dedications. Not everybody's going to go to Bible college. I'm for Bible college, but most people stay in the local church. And when I'm talking, I was teaching on how to preach funerals and loving broken people. And the Holy Ghost fell so strong 
that they laid out on the floor speaking in tongues for hours. Because a burden started pouring out of their pastor, teaching them how to do what I do and walk along with me. And I do. I pull them in. Brother Cody's my assistant pastor, was, was also a youth pastor, but he told me, he said, it's not your preaching that impacted me. I'm like, thanks. He says, the road trips. He says, those rides in your truck on the way to a meeting. That is where we're going to make our biggest impact is discipleship on an individual basis where there's Q&A and you know their name. I believe that is true impartation is when someone takes you close. That's impartation. The greatest moments of impartation have been on an individual basis. It's when Doug White sat down with me at his kitchen table and said, let me tell you my story. I'll never forget the moment. It's when Mark Morgan sat at my couch with a bag of Wendy's and cold fries. They were, they were cold. I should have preached. I should have treated the evangelists better. But that's what he said he wanted, Brother Jackson. I said, amen. That's, <laughs> I need to... Don't, don't take the elder gold fries. Amen. <laughs> but when he's sitting there and he starts talking about spiritual warfare and feeling the nature of a spirit, I'm just saying things that changed me. We've all been changed by powerful preaching from the pulpit. But the impartation that trained me in spiritual warfare happened in a setting something like this. Hmm. That's where somebody can not generalize, but individualize, open up their heart and say, I'm a, I'm a, there's, there's somebody here. I see Sister Hood out here. And wave your hand over there, Sister Hood. Your family, and I see, I see your family, Adrian, and, yes. and uh, I, see, I see your Barry. children with you today, and, and Barrett and Colton and Natalie. I see them. I was with them last weekend. And uh, I brought a young man with me, uh, Dylan, Dylan Woodward, an intern for us. And uh, I called and talked to his, and I, I called and talked to his, his, his family yesterday. And they said the biggest impact from the weekend, it wasn't me preaching. That's not what he talked about. You know what he talked about? Sitting with your dad, Bishop Billy Hill. Mm -hmm. After Sunday service, we sat down there with good food. There were no cold fries. <laughs> Great food. But he opened his heart, didn't he? Sister Lori, he opened his heart and began to talk about how God spoke to him in a dream to go to Colorado. And in that moment, I'm telling you, that's where we're going to reach young preachers. Is sitting down. Bitter, bitter herbs in a house of friends is better than a stalled, stalled ox in a house full of contention. Mm. What does that mean? That means bad food and good fellowships are better than good food and bad fellowship. Amen. But just being together and hearing these elders... And there's a spirit of impartation in this room even now. Even now. I feel it very, very strong. How many want to receive what the Lord is doing? Yes. Amen. If you'll get the burden, God's going to show the how. I want you to stretch your hands toward the Lord. Jesus. Jesus. Brother Robinette, I want you to pray. I want you to stretch your hands toward. I want you to feel what comes out of the man of God's spirit. Come on, open your hand, open your heart. I want you to pull your spirit open and open your spirit. Mm. 
and receive something from the Lord. Pray for us. By the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus Christ, such as I have, Jesus. give I unto thee Jesus. in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive it now. Jesus. Receive it now. Receive it now in the name yes, yes, yes. of Jesus Christ. heaven would you lift up your hands right now God's gonna pour out gifts on this congregation men and women all over this building come on you've been seeking God's gonna give you gifts right now come on the gift of prophecy the gift of faith the gift of healing right now is gonna be poured out lift up your hands lift up your voice receive you the power of the Holy Ghost
Jesus. Come on, seeking you shall find. Knocking it shall be open. Asking it shall. In the name of Jesus. Come on, reach over and pray for the person next to you. If you've got the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can pray. Come on, God will give you the gifts of the Spirit right now. In the name of Jesus, I receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's the Holy Ghost. Yes, yes.
I feel in the Holy Ghost to share this with you. Almost three weeks ago, on a Sunday morning, our second service, I had finished preaching, and I, I went down these stairs over here to go back to our welcome center where our visitors go. And literally, I've never had this happen to me in my entire life. I went down these stairs right here, and I physically felt a hand on my shoulder. I turned around. I didn't know if it was my father or one of the other ministers. And there was no one by me, and I physically felt a hand on my shoulder. I felt it pressed down. And I heard the Lord speak to me and say, don't leave. And I went over there and sat down next to my wife right there on that front row. And the Lord said to me, my people have lost the art of lingering in my presence. There's so many times in scripture where they tarried and we are trying to microwave the presence of God. And the Lord is wanting us to just linger and just spend time with him. I know we have a schedule, but I feel like the Lord is speaking to this body and saying, just spend time with me. I want to just invite you to find a place if you want to walk, if you want to come to the altar. But I just feel like there's an apostolic atmosphere here. If you would just linger in his presence, I truly believe God would change your life.